This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Need great health care coverage with an affordable price tag? Let Farm Bureau Health Plans coach you through it. They've been protecting Tennesseans for 75 years. I'm Mike Keith, joined by my second favorite Rhett. Yes. My number one Rhett is Rhett Bryan with Titans Radio, who's been with us for every step of Titans Radio. Rhett Lewis from NFL Network. I hope you don't take that as an insult. You are my second favorite Rhett, and I'm thrilled to have you on the OTP. Thanks for the time. Mike, thanks so much. I am used to being everyone's second favorite Rhett because usually everyone's, you know, most favorite Rhett is, of course, Rhett Butler. But I, I will I will take number two. And how many people call you Brett? So many, so many that I stopped correcting. It's that's it's just fine with me at this point. Whatever you want to call me. That's what we do to Rhett Bryan. We refer to him as Brett Ryan. Oh, because so that many, is... so many people get it wrong. We're just like that. That should be what you change your name to. But anyway, no names doubt. aside, names yes. are the story of the week. As we're about to draft some players in the NFL, and you've been on every show on NFL Network. <laughs> For the past two months, you've been a host, you've been a <laughs> panelist, you've been yes. a guest. You are the utility man for the Dodgers in terms of what you're doing <laughs> for draft coverage. How hard has it been? So th- here's the thing. Um, I love this time of year. So I-, I grew up a tortured Saints fan, okay, down in New Orleans, Mike. So like draft time was our Super Bowl. Like I used to skip class you know, in fifth and sixth grade, meet my friends in the library and we'd be filling out mock drafts. So like, this is what I love the hopefulness of this time. Everybody's got a chance right now, Mike. And these 32 picks of the first round are going to be big pieces to continuing that hope into the summer and into the fall for so many of these teams. So I, I love college football. I love learning about these players. I love learning about their stories and I love projecting them and where they're going to go. Your dad is a legendary figure among the Saints. He was the the longtime trainer. He's been yes, taking care of the Saints for seemingly 100 years, right? He was 32 years with the Saints. Uh, he got two with the Washington Commanders now, and then eight with the Detroit Lions. So just over 41 wow. years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We're a football family, Mike. You are a football family indeed. Let's talk a couple of names, and I want to talk sure. mocks. Yeah. Jim Wyatt, who writes for the Titans at TennesseeTitans.com, we refer to him as the legendary Jim Wyatt. Of course. He took 35 mocks on Monday of draft week, and he does this wide scale. So five of the mocks had the Titans at number 26, taking Jahan Dotson from Penn State. Four of the mocks had the Titans taking wide receiver Traylon Burks, Arkansas, offensive tackle Bernhard Ryman, Central Michigan, offensive tackle Tyler Smith, Tulsa. Three of the mocks had the Titans taking linebacker N'Kobe Dean, Georgia, guard Kenyon Green, Texas A&M, linebacker Devin Lloyd, Utah. Two of the mocks had the Titans taking edge rusher Jermaine Johnson from Florida State and guard Zion Johnson from Boston College. And then one of the mocks apiece had the Titans select cornerback Andrew Booth, Clemson, tight end Trey McBride, Colorado State, cornerback Trent McDuffie, Washington, quarterback Kenny Pickett, Pittsburgh, quarterback Desmond Ritter, Cincinnati, 
wide receiver Christian Watson, North Dakota State, and wide receiver Garrett Wilson, Ohio State. Which one are you of the 35? So, uh, Mike, that's a lot of different names there for uh, J-Rod to choose from uh, on Thursday night. So here's here was my thought, because there's a lot. I feel like there is a lot of different ways to go. And those final 10 picks of the first round, always such a wild card, right? Because these are better teams that don't have glaring needs. And the Titans certainly fit that uh, in my eyes. So I went with quarterback Desmond Ritter. So I and, and just. Take a breath, Titans fans. Let's just play this out here for just a second. Ryan Tannehill is your starter in 2022. The fit with Ryan Tannehill in this offense, I I think, is as good as we've seen from from a player coming at that position, coming to a new team and excelling. He's been great. But at some point, you do want to think about the future here. And look, Ryan's going to be 35 going into the 2023 season, going to be coming up on the need for a new contract at that point as well. With the way that salaries are going, you know, you have to wonder, you know, we're talking about 35 mil, we're talking about 40, 45 million for quarterbacks here. Is it more pragmatic? Is it more financially responsible to think about a younger quarterback down the line here? One that you have up to five years of relative cost control on. I think Desmond Ritter is a guy that's comfortable being a future face of the franchise. I don't know that he's ready to step in and start, which is why I think that Tennessee could be a spot where he would make some sense to sit there behind Ryan Tannehill. He's got the athleticism that we love about Tannehill. Um, and I think he's got to work on his consistency in, with his accuracy in different spots around the field. But I think there's a lot of upside there. I really like that one. I don't know if that's going to happen, Mike, but um, I do tell you what, there's there's choices that I would love to see. Zion Johnson, interior offensive line is one that I would love right there. I think would make a lot of sense, a lot of positional versatility. Same with Tyler Smith, but you know, I know the Titans don't have a second round pick. I think he's more of a second round player. And then look, Traylon Burks, Mike, I'm telling you, there's like five different ways where he can give you a, a touchdown Titans. Oh, and well done. So, sorry, sorry. In the in the face of legendary company here, I, that was <laughs> I shouldn't have even attempted. But no, um, that was great. Yeah. So, like, those are my thoughts there. Those three guys, those three positions. All right. So that's who you picked on NFL Mock Live on NFL Network. Yes, yes Desmond Ritter. In another of the mocks, you had somebody else for the Titans, though. Yeah, so that was a different um, – that was a – I did a mock draft using the Pro Football Focus Mock Draft Simulator. So we were using PFF's rankings of the players. Okay. And we did, we did the simulator. We adjusted the simulator for need, and we went through all 32 picks. So, we you, you know, they using PFF's needs for each team, they picked the best player – uh, that fit those needs. Then we just did a, a separate one looking at only best player available, regardless okay. of the need. And so PFF is a little bit lower on Jermaine Johnson of Florida State. I think he's going in the top 10 all day long on Thursday night. And for some reason, he was available there for the Titans at 26 as the best player available. I Look, if that happens, thank your lucky stars. Rush the card up to the front and feel great about it because you got another edge rusher to add to that talented front. And that ain't going to happen. No, I don't think there's any way because as you get to this process and and see if you agree with this statement, I don't think the information on guys who are dropping is good because I think there's a lot of skullduggery going on with that. I think there are teams who want bad stories in the ether because they want guys to fall. 
I do think that the truth in advertising, so to speak, is when you're hearing guys are going up, I, I do think that oftentimes ends up being true. And Jermaine Johnson is a guy that we're consistently hearing is going up. Yeah. I put him at number three in my latest mock draft of the Houston Texans because there's there's a lot of folks out there that feel like he is a step ahead of Kayvon Thibodeau as an edge rusher. And if you're considering an edge guy up in the top three and they went Hutchinson, Walker, one, two, then, you know, would that be something the Texans would consider? You know, they could certainly go offense to support Davis Mills too, you know, as you look there within the AFC South in that division, Mike. But um, I think Jermaine Johnson is a guy that, that has been kind of steadily rising. And he also, it's kind of interesting because he gives us a glimpse of perhaps what Trayvon Walker's production might have been outside of Georgia's defensive scheme, which kind of pushed everybody in a little bit tighter. Jermaine Johnson, remember, was a Georgia Bulldog, Georgia. transferred to Florida State, and in that one year, they started using him in those wide nine alignments, and man, he pinned his ears back, and he was getting to the quarterback at a, at a great clip and was ACC Defensive Player of the Year. I think that's kind of Trayvon Walker could have that kind of production at the next level if used in that kind of way. So that's the other part about this thing. It's how are they used in college and how do we kind of translate that into how we want to see them used at the next level? Who's the number one pick in this draft today, Tuesday, April 26th? I really don't know how the Jaguars see it, but I will tell you right now, if I am Trip Balky, I've already got Aiden Hutchinson's name written down on the card, and I'm just waiting for the commissioner to put me on the clock. This, Mike, is a 300-yard tee shot straight down the fairway at TPC Sawgrass. Like, let's put this thing in play. Let's keep it right down the middle of the fairway. Let's not pass on a sure thing. And I think Aiden Hutchinson is the biggest sure thing in this year's draft. We've seen the production. We know about the makeup of the man. We know um, so much about how integral he was to a program's success last year at Michigan. We know he can make the biggest plays in the biggest moments, as we saw in that Ohio State game. Like, there's so much to like about this player. And, and I, I, the last thing I'll say about Hutchinson is that I, I want everybody to be careful when we use the phrase, he's a safe pick. Because that does not mean that he is a lesser athlete. Or mm -hmm. it does not mean he is not an elite talent because he is He's got one of the best three-cone drill times of any edge rusher in this class, Mike, and that is one of those things, one of those metrics that we use to forecast edge rusher success at the next level. He's got great bending, great explosion. He's a great athlete and a safe fit. Daniel Jeremiah with Bucky Brooks on the Move the Sticks podcast talked about what he's hearing out of Jacksonville, and that yeah. is new coach Doug Peterson wants Icky Aquanu, the offensive yeah. tackle from NC State, and Bucky makes the point – if that's who Doug Peterson wants, that's who he's going to end up with. Because <laughs> right now in the building, he's the dude with the juice. If they take Iki Aquanu at one or they take yeah. Evan Neal at one, if they go tackle at one, does that surprise you very much? A little bit because we saw them go and give Cam Robinson a second straight franchise tag. And there's been some talk about trying to work out a long-term deal with him. So if you do take a tackle number one, it does give you some flexibility if the contract negotiations don't work out with Cam and he goes on his way following this season, you've now got the next guy to step in at left tackle. But also keep in mind that they drafted Walker Little in the second round last year out of Stanford, played some for them down the stretch last year. I, I think, it, you know, probably wasn't his best 
uh, effort, but he was a rookie and he guy had barely played the last two years at Stanford due to injury and COVID. Um, so it, his best football, I feel like is still ahead of him. They got Juwan Taylor over there too. Um, they've spent some resources on tackles, you know, in the high draft pick range, you know, set those second rounds in the last couple of years. So that part of it would be a little bit surprising, but then think back to when Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl at Philly, who were the tackles, Jason Peters on the left side, Lane Johnson on the right side. If that's how you want to build this thing up in front of Trevor Lawrence, then it makes sense. Especially with the Titans and the Colts rushing the passer. Exactly. The way, the way they can in that division. And with the fact that you figure Houston is going to end up with one of their two first-round picks with an outstanding so. edge rusher. Yeah, makes a ton of sense. Speaking of tackles, yeah. a lot of talk about Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa. And certainly Titans fans have interest in that because there's some thought that he could fall to 26. Do you think there's any shot of that? And what do you think of Penning? I really like Penning. I love his mentality. I love the nasty in his game. Kind of reminds me a little bit of of the way Taylor Lewan plays the game. A little bit on the edge, um, you know, at times. And uh, he will make guys pay. Uh, And he plays through the echo of the whistle. Um, And look, I know Titans took Dylan Radins in the second round last year. So, you know, it's a matter of how does that maturation process move for him? Um, Are we counting on him to, to man that right tackle spot? Um, you know, next year, I, I think that's part of what you think about. You can never have too much depth along the offensive line. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like interior would make a little bit more sense, especially a guy with positional versatility like a Zion Johnson, who's played all over the offensive line at Boston College, or Kenyon Green, who I think teams are kind of sorting out a little bit of a knee issue on the medical with Kenyon Green. He's done some of that at Texas A&M too, tackle guard, interior on the outside. So that to me would make a little bit more sense. Plus, I think Trevor Penning is gone. I don't think he gets past the second Saints pick at 19 um, if they don't take a tackle at 16. So um, that's kind of how I I don't see him getting out of the top 20. Stranger things have happened. Okay, so let me ask you something towards your Saints knowledge. They have not taken a quarterback in the first round of an NFL draft since Archie Manning. 50 years. Is this the year with the two number ones that changes? They've certainly got the opportunity to, and that's kind of the sweet spot for the quarterbacks in terms of how we see value with this class. And, uh, you know, people want to, people really want to discount these guys in this group of quarterbacks. And I, I don't know, man, I'm not here for that, Mike. I, I'm here to tell you, like, let's look and see if we can find ways where this guy can succeed for us rather than telling you what he can't do. And I think there's a lot to like about, you know, all the quarterbacks. So that's why I mocked Desmond Ritter in the, at 26 to the Titans earlier. I think there's a lot to like there. Same for Malik Willis. Like maybe he's in that sweet spot there, either at 16 or at 19 for the Saints. Um, there's traits that you love. And, you know, like, look, in the Titans case, you know, you got one of the one of the great quarterback coaches in the NFL, Pat O'Hara. Um, so, like, you've got to look into your coaching staff if you're the Saints and, you know, think about the guys that you got, like think about the ability to develop young players. You know, the Saints haven't had to do that in a while, right? I mean, like it had Drew Brees for, you know, 15 years. Jameis Winston was an older player by the time he got here. Um, I guess we could talk about how they, you know, worked Taysom Hill into the quarterback rotation, but that project seems like it's ending now and he's moving to tight end. So I think you got to look at that part of it. Like what's your development strategy for a young player? Does your staff fit that? 
Um, that's all a part of this, but I could certainly see quarterback being in play there. Although when they did go out and sign Andy Dalton recently, it's like, all right, you got Andy, you got Jameis, you drafted Ian book last year in the fourth round feels like the ends getting a little full there at quarterback. I feel like they're better suited to go tackle and wide receiver at 16 and 19. Who are the underrated players that you think are going to have a chance to sneak into the back end of the first round? You have two or three that jump out to you. Certainly do. Uh, Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa, I think, is a guy that's getting nitpicked to death over his arm length. And um, all that dude do- did was dominate interior defensive linemen in the one of the best conferences in college football his entire career. He's the best technician. He might have the best fundamentals of any offensive lineman, regardless of position up front. Um, and, and honestly, if Ben Jones wasn't back for Tennessee, I feel like that would make a ton of sense right there at 26 too. Um, other guys on the back end, you're looking at some of the edge rusher group there. You're talking about guys like Boye Mafe from Minnesota, I think is firmly in that final five to seven picks of the first round conversation there. Look at Kansas City with one of their back-to-backs at 29 and 30. He's got a great story. He's a phenomenal athlete with his best football, very much still ahead of him. Look at a guy like Arnold Ebicady out of Penn State that could sneak into the back end of the first round as well. I think edge rushers, you know, like so many of them, Mike, are going to go in the top 10. I think four go in the top 10 that teams are going to maybe get some guys who we might have originally thought of as second round picks kind of jump into the first round just because of the way that they dominated that position dominated the first 10 picks. So boy, Mafe, Arnold Ebicady. And then you're looking at some of the corners like Kyler Gordon from Washington in that, uh, in that range out there, Andrew Booth from Clemson coming off, uh, I think a core muscle surgery. So corners, edge rushers, I see that kind of being one of those spots at the back end of the first round where we could kind of see some different names in there. Now, you were a college-wide receiver, so I know you followed that position closely. The first six seem to be pretty set, but there's a lot of discussion about who's seven. Is it Christian Watson? Is it Mm -hmm. Sky Moore, a guy out of Western Michigan who has an unusual skill set? Is it George Pickens from Georgia who has never quite reached the potential five stars? And some people think if it all goes right for him, it blows up in the NFL. Who's seven for Rhett Lewis of NFL Network at wide receiver? Yeah, Mike, that's a that's a really good question. And I think you're right. I think it's pretty much set with, you know, Wilson, London, Olave, Burks, Dotson, and Williams as the first six. And then at seven, it feels like the, the buzz is building for Sky Moore out of Western Michigan to be the seventh. Um, you know, not necessarily the biggest dude out there, not necessarily the fastest of this bunch, but man, is he a fun football player to watch? He gets open, he makes circus catches a lot of the same stuff we talk about with Jahan Dotson in there too kind of feels like some of the same things that uh that Sky Moore does I tend to favor Christian Watson um you know he's got a he's got a terrific story he was a guy that was overlooked his entire high school career he's kind of a late bloomer into the body that you see now at six foot four and 210 pounds by the way he runs four three forty like ridiculous athlete but guys were going you know College coaches were going over there to recruit Wap Fillier, who ended up at my alma mater in Indiana. Shout out Nick Westbrook as well. Um, (laughs) I had to find a way to figure to fit it in there. You are the president of the Nick Westbrook (laughs) Akina fan club. That's okay. We love that. I love Nick. He's such a great player. I'm so, so happy for him carving out a niche there in Tennessee. Um, But yeah, Christian is a guy who was overlooked there, found his way to North Dakota State because one recruiter was like, I, I see all these other guys, but like, who's this dude over here who, you know, is a little gangly, you know, is like a little tall, a little skinny, 
But man, I feel like his best football is ahead of him. And I could see if he doesn't go in the first round, I think he's gone within the first five to seven picks of the second round. All right. We know you love the draft and we know your experience with your dad being a longtime NFL trainer, most of the career with the New Orleans Saints. So I want to wrap up our conversation with this. From your experience with your dad, how much of a factor is the training staff and the medical staff as we get to not only Thursday, but especially Friday and Saturday with that medical information that comes from the combine? If you'd lay out for us just an overview of how much bigger that is than what we probably know, I'd be interested to hear. Yeah, Mike, that's a great question. And um, I'll start it off by kind of relating back to some of the names you mentioned earlier, um, because, you know, Archie Manning was one of my dad's first quarterbacks there in New Orleans. And Archie was my dad's best man at his wedding. Like Archie went once his kids got old enough, once Peyton and Eli were looking at colleges and he would tell them that without question, two of your most trusted allies friends and people you can count on when you get to college and when you get to the NFL will be the equipment manager and they'll be the trainer. And that's how it was for Archie. And and Peyton will tell you the same thing. Eli will tell you the same thing as well. Um, Trainers are the guys that can get you the reservations at the best restaurants on the road. They're like the concierge. Um, But they also, Mike, to your point, deep dive on all of these players and all of these prospects. And while GMs have books on players and they have, you know, they've got their notes on players and the way that they play on tape. And, and they've got a whole book on those guys. That's what the trainers do. That's the research that they do at the combine um, when they're and they go out there and they call the college trainers. They get the inside scoop from from all the schools and the universities on the players that are going to be there. And I mean, so much of this thing, like I know GMs and in, in inside draft rooms and, and talent evaluators that they think, you know, all right, we got this guy. We want to fill out this card. Hey, let's check with Dean. Let's just make sure, Dean, are we, are we good on the medical? I mean, like, that's how important it is because this is an investment. These are, we're talking about, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars that we're going to invest in these prospects. This can't be a deal where we miss something. The medical team missed something in this guy's background and he can't, you know, he can't play beyond two years or three years. Like, it is big business trying to figure out the medical background of all these players. And there's so much that goes into it, Mike. I mean, um, like the, the last story I'll tell you is like at the combine, you know, when my dad was going every year, I mean, like every MRI machine in Indianapolis is essentially reserved for the NFL combine and the 330 prospects that end up going and all of them are getting MRIs. And I mean, like it's, there's so much background and research done on this, um, because they can't miss anything. And it's the reason that so many NFL football people are desperate for the NFL Combine to stay in Indianapolis. Even if it may not be the best business move for the league, they could take it elsewhere. It's the best best setup because the medical information is the second most valuable part outside of the actual tape. I, absolutely right. I mean, and some could argue it's it's the most valuable because if you've got a guy that you're taking off your board, you know, like that's that that's that's because of medical. A lot of times, you know, some of it's because of you know off the field stuff. But um, you know, like there, there's there's probably you know teams that have taken guys off their board a month ago just because of what transpired in the medical. Rhett Lewis, NFL Network. Thank you so much for the time. I, I know how busy you are, but fun to get your viewpoint and to hear all yeah. about the mocks and. Everything going go. going on. For those of us who work in the league, it, it really is the best week of the year. 
It is so much fun, uh, Mike. And thanks so much for having me on. Uh, appreciate it. And uh, go Titans. Presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans, this is the OTP. Welcome to the big show where the legends go. Everybody knows it's our house. Fighting for Tennessee, making history. Great